as a manager of club at the time and the players who, who felt aggrieved, it was my responsibility and our responsibility to act on that. And so we decided to walk off the pitch and we were proven right in the end. There are more Asians involved in football than you would expect. There are nowhere near as many Asians involved in football as there should be. Join us on the Our Game 2 podcast as we celebrate the ones that are and discuss the ones that aren't. Okay, so Imrod, let's move back to sporting a little bit. So sporting, what league do they play in? So we play in the Essex Senior League, which is step five uh, of the footballing pyramid. Okay, how long have you been in that league for, do you know? Well, we've been in that league for since, I think, about 2007, 2008. Um, probably the season before, actually. No, I, I'm wrong, actually. Maybe, maybe about 2005, 2006 season. Okay, and so that's step five of the football pyramid, which means there is promotion and relegation, right? That's right, yeah, that's right. And so has Sporting been in that league the whole time or have they managed yeah, so we, to... We, we, we got senior status back in uh, 2002, 2003. And I think initially they joined the Kent League uh, and they spent about three seasons there. They found it really, and it wasn't easy. It was um, as many, not anybody who knows anything about Step 5 football will know that Kent League is one of the most difficult uh, Step 5s in the country. Um, but I think more importantly, the reason they wanted to move over was Basically, they're an East London football club who are travelling away to Kent. And if you're thinking about midweek games, it's a long time. So a lot of the guys weren't getting home till midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So it was getting becoming a bit of a joke. So then there was the opportunity for them to um, obviously move to the ESL, and, and that's what happened. So they moved to the ESL, and since then it's been quite it's been a lot a lot um, a lot a lot easier for the club. And um, and I guess we've, we've been kind of. Over the years, it's been difficult in that we've been perceived as a club that's usually fighting relegation or uh, is a is a bit of a walkover. Um, but I think in time, particularly, I, I like to think in my time and, um, and the year before me when Anwar came on board, since then, we've kind of evolved into a team now. It's quite a steady eddy team. It's a mid, mid-table, um, kind of a, a, a good side that represents Essex Senior League at oh. Step 5 level. And where do you where do you play your home games? Mile End Stadium, so Tower Hamlet. That's where yeah. we play. So uh, it's a beautiful. If, for those that haven't been, you need to come and check it out. Midweek under the lights on a Wednesday night at Mile End. Uh, the backdrop is Canary Wharf. It looks amazing. Cool, fantastic. I'll, I'll definitely take you up on that. So, yeah. um, all right. So, how many? All right. So, generally, when you go to away games, how many supporters would you say are at the grounds that you go to? So on average, I guess, uh, if, we, if we take into account places like Stansted, Saffron, um, Saffron, Walden, uh, Enfield, they, Saffron Walden can have anywhere up to three, 400 fans there. Stansted can have up to a couple of hundred. Um, th- th- that, that would be the average or, or away game kind of re- uh, uh, numbers when we're talking yeah. the ESL, anywhere from 200 to 400 supporters coming to watch non-league football, which isn't bad for our level at all. Okay, and how many guys do you guys get at, you, at home matches? Yeah, this is a problem. One of the biggest issues we've had, and I've tried to kind of deal with, and which really kind of gets my goal. Considering we're the you know we're the only club that play at Step Five in in the Essex Senior League at Milan Stadium in the heart of the 
you know, the Asian community or the Bangladeshi community, we we might get on if it's a massive game, if it's a big big league game, then we might get a, a hundred. But otherwise, on average, it's anywhere from thirty to fifty to sixty people. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that must be quite dispiriting at times, I guess. Yeah, of course it is. It's not easy, um, especially when you go away and you you see other grounds. And you know, a lot of the time, we encourage our locals to come, and we don't even charge them. And if you think about, you know, gate receipts and other clubs, other clubs can, there's a reason they have budgets. Because if you're thinking on average, 200 people are coming to watch on a Saturday at £7 a head. And on top of that, they're buying a beer, they're buying drinks, they're getting burgers, et cetera, coffees. You know, they can they make a lot of money on a match day. Whereas from our perspective, it's, you know, if you're a local guy, if you're a local kid or local, someone local, we're happy to let you in free and just come and show your support. Um, and even still, it's like, you know, it's, we're fighting uphill tasks all the time and, why that is, I have no idea. There is, like I think we've talked about before, a massive disconnect between the club and the community and, and non-league football in particular, considering we have so many Asian teams in Tower Hamlets. Um, why we can't get numbers coming to watch on a Saturday or midweek um, baffles me, to be fair. I can't get, I can't, I, I don't understand why more people don't get behind Sporting Bengal, considering it's the, it's the community club in Tower Hamlets. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that we've discussed on the podcast previously is, I mean, normally when we talk about professional clubs, Asians, on the whole, they tend to either support their local big team. So for me, for instance, that's West Ham or they're the glory grabbers. So maybe I shouldn't have said that. That support the Man United's and Liverpool's of this world. Um, And therefore... Listen, I mean, there's many reasons for that. It's about their relationship with football, how it's come about, and some of it's not always pretty. And so there's lots of reasons for it. But the the effect that has is that you don't tend to see many Asians at non-league clubs. I know the few that I've been to, I hardly remember any at all. It's me and my boy or my brother, whoever I've gone with, have been the few. So I, I was just wondering if if it's something within us Asians and let's say our relationship to football in this country that stops us going along. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it's got to do with also culture and, and, and just, just spending time with families. Weekends are pretty much, because everybody's working during the week, but weekends are always around spending time with families, extended families. There's always something on, there's a wedding, there's a, there's an invite to someone's house or, um, these days, more and more, there's kids who are playing football or going away. But there's, there's also, you know, there's a lot of, there's a younger generation that, um, that are available. For I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm uh, whether there's a there's a lack of understanding of non-league football. Maybe that's it. Um, they don't understand it. They don't appreciate the level and and how good an opportunity sport in Bengal is. Uh, that's possibly one factor. And um, but yeah, I, I, there's a number of like I said, I think more cultural more than anything else. Well, there. you say that. So you you guys have toured and been to Bangladesh and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are crowds like there? Oh, they're massive again. So you've got yeah. similar cultures. Yeah, yeah, similar. That, that, yeah. But what I'm talking about, just in terms of, we talk about the professional game and we talk about non-league here in the UK on a Saturday. You've got most of the kickoffs are at like three o'clock, um, and so it's 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 not. Do you know what I mean? So it's like um, uh, they're used to watching Premier League football at that time. They're keeping an eye. For them, that's 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 a habitual habit. They're, for them, in for Tower Hamlets in particular, for an Asian guy, the last then the if they're not watching the Premiership, then they're out and about with maybe doing something at home. They're more armchair than they would be 
you know, maybe going out to watch a game live in the stadium. Emerald, you've gone mute. Um, more and more individuals go to stadiums to watch games. We're slowly getting there, slowly but gradually. We've gone from 20 to maybe 50 to 60. And on a big game, we might get 100. But it's just changing mindset. And I think, like I said, for people to appreciate non-league football, I think that's the thing. There's a, maybe there's a, a generational uh, understanding. They're not, or just the, the lack of the, they don't they don't understand how how good an opportunity non-league football is. And so, what kind what it's. kind of initiatives is the club undertaking to try and to try and change those mentalities and try and get more people along? I think, like I said, we 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 where we are not charging individuals to come in so if you're local and you're part of a part of the community you're part of the footballing community and you play for a local club come through the door we won't charge you if you're especially if you're a kid anyone under the other 16 we, we let them in we're encouraging them to come through the gates um we've got academy obviously we've got the academy so where we try where we've got kids who at the academy we encourage the parents and the kids to come in but then like i say the issues we have parents have always got plans on the weekends and the last thing they want to do is come and spend two three hours um, at Sporting Bengal when you know they've got other other commitments. So the initiatives that what, what can we do? I'm not sure. Uh, you know that is supposed to be a revenue maker for us, um, but we've put that to a side and said oh, let's just get bombs on seats. Um, I, 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 whether I think one thing one thing I'm going to try to do over the next coming coming season is maybe start if 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 the community see that there's more Asians playing in the team, hopefully uh, and from the local community and and teams that play in our leagues, in the community leagues, that might then entice youngsters and, and teams and managers and, and just the community itself to come and watch these individuals. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the trick we've been missing, um, is, is a bit more collaboration with the local clubs um, and having them kind of kind of a partnership whereby, you know, where we're giving them discounts come in, uh, whether it's a, a season ticket, whether it's just Kids under the age of sixteen coming free. We um, we give we 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 we'll have to we'll have to think about something. But um, we've tried we've, in terms of getting locals involved. I think we've done what we can. I'm not sure how else, apart from educating them on what non-league's about. I'm not quite sure how else we can do it. Okay, cool. And at that kind of level, when you're talking about crowds of three, four hundred, I know obviously in if there's no stands and stuff, people. They spread out all around the pitch, etc. How much of a difference does having fans make? Oh, massive! I think as a as a coach, as a manager, particularly as a player, you know, when you, I remember we had we had the old Clapton in our league, and whether home or away, and they were getting five crowds of five, six hundred. This was only three seasons ago, four seasons ago. Crowds of three, four, five hundred people you could get, and. The atmosphere is it's, it's electric and every player wants to play in that. When it came to Clapton, yeah, I'm available for that one. You know, they're putting everything aside. All of a sudden, the injuries have gone. And, um, but yeah, so it's just for it, as an incentive, it's massive. It's massive. Um, probably more so than, in my opinion, than the little money that you can make at this level. You know, the average player might make, in, in our league, might make anywhere from, I don't know, 20 to 50 pounds. Um, like I said, the average player, we've got players earning a lot more than that. but. Um, but for a club like Sporting Bengal, the attraction is that it's playing in front of fans on a regular basis. And even, even though it only might be 200, a couple of hundred fans, it's still 
it's still an experience in itself um, for that individual. Cool. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the the darker side of the game. And what I mean by that is sporting's been in the news a couple of times over the last few years, unfortunately, where you've had incidents of, well, you guys have faced racism on the pitch, through the crowds, etc. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so, you know, players on the pitch, um, ourselves as management, and not just from opposition. We've had, we are, you know, we had instances with supporters. There was a time around a couple of seasons back with Boris Johnson uh, and, and opposition fans singing, singing songs about Boris Johnson. It was during, just before the elections, I think. And it just, no, it, it wasn't a coincidence that it was Sporting Bengal that was playing at their ground at the time um, with a St. George's flag behind the goal, giving out a goalkeeper a bit of stick um, and singing songs about Boris Johnson. I can't remember the exact words, but there's a tweet somewhere around it as well. Um, but like I said, we, we, it's also the officials. So there's a, or the, I guess the one you talk, the incident you're talking about is the time, the night, about three years back, semi-final, cup semi-final, we, we walked off the pitch because we felt the officials were being biased towards the opposition. Um, and then, like I say, when it came to the hearing, um, after months of kind of an investigation, um, the FA, the London FA, the FA, um, and even personal hearings we were found to be, um, the, well, the, the, the official in question was found to be guilty. And we've proven our case and the fact that what happened, what we said happened on that night did happen. So, um, you know, it's all out there in the public public domain. And from my perspective, it's, it's racism has, hasn't never gone away. It's never going to go away, in my opinion. We're seeing it more and more since, uh, you know, just last night there was the incident. And if I, I woke up this morning reading, tweets and in the media around uh, Kaita and uh, Liverpool, Trent Alexander getting racist abuse online. So it's it's there uh, and, you know, wearing grassroots. It's not as in your face as it was in the 70s, uh, 80s and 90s, um, but it's there. There's a different type of racism that we have to deal with now and um, it's how we handle it. And from our perspective on that evening, I felt as the manager of the club at the time and the players who, who felt aggrieved, it was my responsibility and our responsibility to act on that. And so we decided to walk off the pitch and we were proven right in the end. Um, but, you know, how, how are we doing it? The league's doing as much as it can. You know, the, this season is a great initiative that I think they've joined collaboration. We're in collaboration, we kick it out. So fair play to the league. They're doing their bit. Um, uh, and I think more, more education is needed. The league is trying to educate clubs and individuals. Um, but it needs to come from the top. Um, and, and until we start seeing change at the top, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult for not just us, but even more lower down than us. We're talking Sunday league. Um, you know, that's where it's rife. Uh, it's on the pitches, like on a, on a Sunday in the park, on a Sunday up north, where you're not having, you know, there might be, you don't have as many Asian teams as you do down south. It's, it's ridiculously difficult. And, um, you know, more and more clubs are facing it, but more and more clubs are also reporting it. We're seeing, that's probably why we're seeing more instances and more reports of social because people are coming out and saying they've, they've, they've been affected by racist, racist incidents on the football pitch. So remind me what happened. So you guys walked off. Did you, did you go back on and complete the game or was... No, no, we, it, was, it was a back end. So we were losing 3-2. Um, we, were, we were winning 1-0, one 1-0, all, 2-1, all, 2-all and then um, by that stage, we'd had three people sent off 
Uh, we went down. They just scored the third goal and the, the ref sent off another one of our players. And um, the, it was just a all night. It was There was stuff going in. Players didn't want to go out yeah. at halftime. The, ref, the, ref, the referee on the evening had said things to one of my white players. Um, just like, you know, you're not going to be winning this game and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, which and he came running to me and said, Gaffer, look, this is what he said. Come and say it, say it to my gaffer, say it to him, say it to him. And, um, you know, he, he smirked, he was smirking at us all the way through the night. The official on the night said something that was derogatory to my assistant. Um, and like I say, I and, and my assistant and my co-first team of coaches and some of the players, we heard it. It just wasn't right. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's it's uh, like I say, it's, it's a different type of racism that we face um, in 2020, 2021. Um, it's, and I just don't think even if you are, even as me as a club, as an individual who's reported it, and I've said it on so many occasions, um, I've reported it. At the person in question has been found guilty by the FA even still I'm being punished. Even still, I feel like I'm the victim. You know, when I'm the victim, I feel like I'm, I've been, I've been, I've been more affected than the guy who was dishing it out or the people, the individuals that were dishing it out. incidents of racism has an impact. If we look at it, this is my opinion, on a bigger, on a bigger scale, you lose relationships. You, your perception changes, um, you know. So whereas you might have been that guy who's, oh, Emerald's a nice guy. La, 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 he doesn't really, but then all of a sudden, because I've reported this incident, all of a sudden he's that guy who reported that incident and caused all that havoc for the league and he's used a card. And that's, I hate that. When they say, and you know, why I, I'm, I'm from that evening, I'm the one who's been left with a bit of a scar because I feel as everywhere I go, it's the eyes are on me for a couple of years. And it's like, bloody hell, you know, this, that, this, that troublemaker. I didn't get any support from anyone. And I just felt like I was left, left hang out, hang out to dry. We had all this exposure. Uh, I did everything the way I, what I felt was appropriate, and we handled everything the right way. We we went down the right channels, but I just didn't feel at the time I got any support from anyone, um, whether it's myself or whether it's the club. We were literally just left to get on with it and and to deal with the consequences afterwards. So, um, and that's the reality, and it's and it has had a detrimental impact on on the club. I feel in terms of perception. So. Did you feel the t- the process afterwards, the aftermath of it, and the investigations, etc.? Um, do you think? I know you said eventually you were found to to have been in the right, but do you think the process was? I don't want to say sympathetic, but was it empathetic for for you guys and what you've been through, or did it feel like an investigation, like an accusatory thing, and someone's got to find out the truth, etc.? I didn't feel any empathy. Um, although, uh, if anything, like I said, we've gone in, even in the personal hearings, you've gone in and, you know, and, and, and it is like you're, you're the, you know, you're the person who's guilty. We have to justify, we have to justify the fact that we'd been treated wrongly and, and we were the one doing the justification and the guy who was in, who was trying to, who was, was there was, had, it seemed to me as if he had, he had the support of everyone. Whereas we were left out to dry, but like I said, we had to genuinely. And I, I'd never been through any of this process. It wasn't easy. Um, like I said, I keep on saying it. I'm not sure whether I'd do it again. I probably would because I'm that kind of guy. But if if I saw it, I'd, I'd, I'd shout. I'd, 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 I'd say it. 
Um, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. And I don't think, like I said, empathy? No, there was no empathy. I don't think anybody understood. If anything, it was the, the total opposite. And and I've I've been left with a real bitter taste in my mouth with all through the whole process. It left me wanting to. Uh, COVID for me has been a good thing because I was falling out of love with the game. I was not enjoying it anymore because of this cloud over my head. And um, I've just learned to accept it now. And I'm not looking for anyone's sympathy anymore. I'm not looking for to be accepted. I just get on with what I need to do now. Um, I've worked hard to 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 get to where I am in terms of. Uh, management, um, uh, being a rookie manager six years ago when I came on board with having uh, people expecting nothing but failure from me. Um, I think I proved myself. Um, and I, I know it's, it's, it's difficult when you feel like you don't get the justification and and, uh, and the pats on the back that, back that you deserve. Because um, I, I watch other managers and I see other managers and I see other teams and they're, getting, they're fighting relegation. These are supposed to be good managers, experienced managers, experienced coaches. And I'm dealing with, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a club, more or less a community football club. And it, it, we're not just talking about things that go on the football pitch. It's what in Bengal is, as, as I've mentioned, is so much more than just a football club. You know, it, uh, it, it's fighting so many other obstacles and barriers, breaking down barriers. And I don't feel like we get the support that we should do um, by the bodies that could support us a lot more than they do. And I feel like, yeah, I feel, I feel like we're fighting an uphill task. And personally, uh, it's it, it, it's um, it's it's a personal battle for me. Uh, and as a club, I just feel like we have we're always it's always us against them, and that's the reality. That's how it feels like um, to me. What, what the other clubs in the Essex Senior League? What are they like? As in, both in terms of the players when you're playing against them. And in terms of the clubs, I know a few clubs have come out recently, especially since the George Floyd thing, and they've come out with statements along the lines of racism won't be tolerated, etc. And I know, I can't remember which club it was. Was it Woodford that sort of yeah, said Woodford, that? Woodford. Woodford are an amazing club. The people that run Woodford um, and the club itself, it's it, their credit to them. The credit, they've just moved local now as well. So they're playing down at their, at their, their original home ground. They're an amazing club. Um, you know, there's some really, one or two really good, but I'm, I'm not sure what I think of other clubs in the league and, and how genuine they are. And, and um, that, like I say, it's not, it's, for me, it's when we go there, some clubs make you feel welcome, some clubs don't, but that's, that's their prerogative, isn't it? So we, ultimately we're there to play a football match and we're going there to win a game or to do what we can to get the three points. So I'm not there to, um, but like I said previous to you guys, for me, sporting is more than a, is more than just a football club. For me, it's constantly trying to break barriers and make people feel comfortable. I'm not about trying to make you uncomfortable. I want to show, show you that we're we're just as we're a football club, just as uh, just as much as you think you're a football club. So just you know, just because you're uh, a club that's been around for uh, over 50, 60, 70 years, doesn't make you any different to Sporting Bengal. We've been around for 25 years. We've We've been fighting difficult. It's been probably a hundred times more difficult for us to get to where you are. So appreciate what we are and appreciate how we've got to where we have. And the fact that now we are competing at this level. And like I said, we've gone from being the whooping boys and the basement boys to being a team that's steady and expected to finish mid table. Um, so I give us that respect that we're due, I think. And that's all we're asking for. Uh, that's all I'm asking for now as well. And I think more than anything else, 
we need a, we, there has to be parity. And I just want um, a level playing field. So from my perspective, um, most clubs are okay. I think there's one or two. I'm not going to mention any names, but yeah, but there's it's still it's still not easy. You go away, and you, you are sometimes left to feel feel uneasy because my management staff are all myself and my management team, our backroom staff are all Asian, all Bangladeshi. Um, so like I said, we're going to areas where they've had little or none, uh, no experience of of Asians, of Muslims, if you like, whatever, um, and other than what they see on the news, and so. You can see it. You can feel it. There's a tension. There's an atmosphere. But like, like I said, there's a, that's a minority. There's a small number of them because you go then you feel like. But most clubs are, over the last couple of seasons, there's been a massive change, if I'm honest. Um, and it's been difficult with COVID, though, as well. But, um, but it's getting better. I can't lie. It's getting better. And like I said, initiative, the league is doing their bit. The league is doing what they can to make um, make things a lot better. Um, and I'm really pleased that they've got involved with Kick It Out. Um, it, and I hope it's not just a tick-pox exercise, but I know the guys, Michelle, Lee, Dawling, you know, they've, they've done some amazing work and they're very, very proud of the work they've done. And the league itself is it's actually, it's it's really improved and it's moved forward a hell of a lot over the last years. Is there more support that you would have liked to have seen, like specific support from some of the, the bigger bodies in football, such as the FA? Yeah, look, when we went and met with the FA, we were told that, you know, we're here to support you. Um, and then after, like I said, after the, we had that one meeting at Wembley with them. Um, and uh, since then, I've not heard anything from them. You know, so they, they put they, re, they put out a, a kind of an olive branch and, you know, they made us feel as if, yeah, 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 you know, we're here to support you. But I think, again, because of the media hype that was created around that incident, for them, it was a tick box thing. For them, it was like, okay, let's. this is a way to keep sporting quiet. So that's what it was, and it felt that way, and that's what it obviously was at the time. Um, I was disappointed at the lack of support post that meeting. Um, but, hey, it is what it is, isn't it? So you live and learn. Um, and once again, I learned that the, the hard way that you, you should have no expectations of, of governing bodies when it comes to these kind of matters. You're, on, you're out on your own and you, it's, it's our role and our responsibility to fight it and if we get a positive result brilliant if not you wipe yourself down you dust yourself down you go again another question about um, where you play right now so Mylan Stadium for anyone who knows it you've got the, the football cages at the back always packed on a weekend you've got a stadium itself which is part of the Ledger Centre I love that ground because I've seen so many great matches up there over the years. You know what I mean? I've seen the FA Cup matches, the ESL games and all that. Does it feel like home for sporting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, I love it. I, I think I said before, it's, it's, one of, it's one of the best. I've been to a lot of grounds in non-league football over the last six, seven years. And it's one of the best. I love midweek games there. I love the backdrop, just the feel around it. You know, and I've said it to you before, on match day, I like to get there well early. You know, the game doesn't kick off till three o'clock. Players don't turn up till half one, quarter past one, half one. But I get there for 12 o'clock just because I like being there, just because it's for me, it's my Saturday. It feels home to me. Um, yes, we don't have a, a clubhouse. We have a little port cabin, but that port cabin is our safe haven for me anyway on a Saturday. It's where I'd want to be more than anywhere else over the last five seasons. And uh, But yeah, and it's there's a buzz around the place, although we don't have the numbers. It's just nice that you can hear the, the guys playing in the cages, like you said, the seven-a-sides, the, 
it's just the footballing. Uh, you, there's a footballing feel about the place. Um, you know, the ball's being kicked. You've got the, the, the trains running by, overhead trains running by. You've got Canary Wharf in the background. You've got the city, a stone's throw away. You've got athletic stadiums running around. And often before kickoff and up until two o'clock, athletes are still on the pitch, warming up, doing their training. There's just a nice vibe around the place and a really nice welcoming feel. It feels like at home because I think I touched on this before as well. Tower Hamlets is a really thriving multicultural community. And if you come into my land, you'll see, you'll see that around the, the foot, the cages, the football playing, playing the cages, the athletic stadium in and around itself, the community, you're seeing all types of people. That's a buzz. And that's, that's the feeling you get from that as a, just for, as me as an individual, it's it, you can't buy that kind of, that feeling. I'm telling you, it's it's a buzz. You get a nice you get a nice feeling inside, and that's what it's about. Is there an opportunity to put more identifiers for sporting? So, putting the logo, the badge, a bit about the history at the stadium itself, or in the in the kind of area. That's a great shout. That you know what, um, Z, that's a that's an absolute brilliant. I've not thought about that, but maybe that's something as you walk into the stadium, or even. I guess the reception area have a bit of history because not obviously just ourselves. We have Tower Hamlets or the old Bethnal Green that were there as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, kind of over the last I guess 20, 25 years, thirty years. There's a lot of history in that stadium from non-league football perspective. And really go back and I'm sure there's archives and there's pictures. Maybe that's a trick that the council are missing in, and uh, the 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 stadium itself is missing. But yeah, it's a really good shout actually. Oh, I might suggest. So I always think that when it comes to especially grassroots and semi-pro team any anything any club that's a community club has a feel about it so you're talking about the, yeah. the surrounding area you've got the Canary Wolf backdrop the financial district you've got the train the atmosphere is amazing when you're when you're there but if you're there on yeah, a Monday yeah. to Friday when you don't when there's not a match day you wouldn't know that's a stadium that's or you've got teams based no, there so yeah, I'm always I'm thinking I'm that I'm the time, it's just an athletic yeah. stadium isn't it during the week or anyone goes there during the day during the day but that's the thing about you, you've got a great history. You know, like you're talking about the 25, 25 years, but it's it's deeper than that. It's not just twenty five years; it's just generations, right? <laughs> I mean, you're yeah, talking about the yeah. kids who have done their sports days at that stadium. You're talking about the local athletes who've gone there. That place means a lot, and when it's a community thing, it yeah. means a lot. So you sometimes need to remind, especially a younger generation or generation, even our generation, you need to remind them sometimes. What's happening? You know what? I really, as you're talking, uh, I think that's an amazing idea, man. I think that's really, really, it's not like they haven't got the space mm. in there. They actually have rooms, and like I said, on the way in, there's empty walls all over the place as you walk into the changing rooms. You could quite easily create that. That's a really, really good shout. I think um, I'm another perfect person to speak. The thing is, these kind of things, it's not, because it's not sporting Bengals or Tower Hammers, it doesn't yeah. belong to us. We're tenants, you know, we, it's part of the council, it's GLLs. Um, even the council don't have much of a say of it because it's owned and run by run by uh, GLL itself. But I, I, it's a really, really great. It's a wicked. It's, it's a great shout. Really, if you go into our porter cabin, actually, we've done that within our own porter cabin. So on the wall to the left, as you go into the lot of sporting Bengal history and archives. So uh, we've done two walls dedicated to sporting Bengal in the porter cabin, which goes back well all the way back to 1996, and it gives you the kind of a timeline and whatnot. So. Obviously, next time we have a home game and all this kind of mess, uh, all this uh, COVID situation is up, we'll invite you to down and have a look for yourself. The port cabin itself has become a little bit of a, a bit of a, a, a museum, a shrine to sporting Bengal. That's nice, which we've, which I created about maybe about three, four seasons back now. Um, 
and that, that that's good. But I love the idea about doing that in the stadium. But we need a lot of people to make that happen. The councillors, the GLL themselves would need input, and they'd have to. But that would that would take time. But it's a great show. You no know one, you're talking about the history. Is there an appetite? Yeah, can I, can I just ask? Is there an appetite from the council and GLL to to support you guys? Yeah, you see. Even through the COVID situation, I, I, I've kind of, you probably saw some tweets. I got quite aggravated and I got really cheesed off with the council, uh, GLL, and to the point where, you know, we had to, we had an MP reach out to us because they could see the first day. We actually got a lot of support. Um, it snowballed, unfortunately not from the Asian community, but a lot of the non-league supporters um, came on and really backed our case around why is the council, we had no access to the pitch initially because of COVID. We had no supporters. The team was had no access. Every, every other club had access to changing rooms, except for us. In the, can you imagine a semi-pro football team getting changed outside in the cold? We only played 13 games, but that's what we were doing. And the, 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 the lack of support from the council, the lack of support from GLL was horrendous. You know, it's um, and considering we at the time, Tower Hamlets will have now moved to the Kent League and playing in South London, considering we're the, you know, we're the only team now in Tower Hamlets that's playing at step five. It's. Um, I, I was baffled. Uh, it really upsets me at times because I think it's you, you know t- Tower Hamlets. We, you know we, we talked about it last time. There's an appetite for football, but I just feel the council don't give two hoots about the kids and the people and, and activities. They're just happy with people getting obese and opening more and giving permission for people to open more and more PFC joints. Forget football or sports. I was just on the back of what um, what Imran was saying about the, the history that's in the portal cabin. You know, when you get new players coming in, is that something that they kind of get that feel as well, that there's something deeper than just a team that they're playing for when they come into the team? Do they get understand? They, unless we yeah. tell them, it's difficult because they're just coming in for them. A lot of them are coming in. You gotta, If they're a half-decent player, they're usually coming in from outside of East London. So the ones that I've got at the moment, they've come from Devon, Exeter. There's a lot who have come, university graduates. They're now working in the city who have played at this level and probably a bit less, and they're, they're coming to get fit. They've had, after a few months, and, and it's been difficult, over the last couple of years, it's been difficult, the new bunch that we've got because of COVID. They've not really had the time to adjust or even appreciate what Sporting Bengal is about. Whereas, you know, previous players, they genuinely get, you've, you've, you 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 know, Prince, Nana, um, Shahed, uh, Shiblu from Luton, you've seen it. Because not only do they get involved at Sporting Bengal, they then get involved in the community through the community league. So BFA Summer League, They'll start playing in that. And then they see the they see what Sporting Bengal is about. The fact that it's not just a semi-pro football team. It's actually a community football pl- club. And, and when we're playing on a Sunday, you see your teammate playing for an opposition team and how uh, and the rivalry that's going on. You had that in the past. It's, and I think that side of, of Sporting Bengal has been lost over the last five to six years. You probably had it under Mamun because for him that was that was really important. And then that the, the the summer league was still thriving then, but yeah, no, it's difficult. Well, that's for me. It's been like to get that. Um, that's why I thought I'd create this kind of wall in the in the porter cabin with a bit of history. Get players in so they come in and they can at least read about it, um, because a lot of them are just playing for Sporting Bengal, training on a Tuesday night, playing Saturday, playing Wednesday. They don't really see what's going on in the community because they're not really they don't play CFL winter league, and we haven't had a summer league in three in two seasons now, so it's difficult. Cool. Okay. So, what next for Sporting? Do, like, do you think realistically promotions a possibility over the next couple of years? 
listen, I, you've got to dream high, right? You've got to aim high. And uh, for me, I'd love that. Uh, I want to, every season, the, the, the objective is to finish as high up the table as possible. And uh, the reality is, without a budget, you're not going to get that. And, you know, when, you've, when you're playing clubs, like you've got Hashtag, you've got Saffron and Walden, you've got Stansted, uh, Hadley, you've got some very, very cockfosters, some really, really good clubs with big budgets. Walden still, um, you know, we're talking, you know, I don't, I don't, don't take quote me on this, but I've heard rumours that you're looking in excess of, you know, for thousand pounds a week and, and whatnot, and I've I've barely got a, I can barely pay people petrol money, let alone pay a play, a player to play for me. So you know, we've had good days back in the days, but now Sporting Bengal is literally running on a shoestring. So for us, our selling point is giving you that opportunity, right? And um, can you move on uh, and play? Give me six months, and then can you can you get recognised? Can you go and play step four uh, or even higher? And that's all we can do in. Listen, we've overachieved over the last three, four, five seasons, I think, by becoming a team now that's constantly top top 10, you know, and above. The next step now for me is can we go top top four, top six, top four? Uh, and who knows, you know, but the, the reality is if we if, if we start well, December, and we're in the top three, four players, top three of the of the league, I'm going to get clubs knocking at the, at the door for my players. And, you know, when a team comes in and offers your player 70 quid, 80 quid to go and play, the neighbouring neighbouring club for a bit of money on a Saturday, of course you can't turn that down. Uh, and I get it. I understand that. Uh, but that's the reality of of managing sport in Bengal, unfortunately. But um, we come with our, it comes with its own challenges. Uh, and I'm aware of that totally. Just from a personal perspective, like obviously you come into management at Sporting not in a linear pathway, but what, what's your personal ambition in terms of, of football? Yeah, listen, I had this conversation with someone a couple of weeks back, bumped into them um, and we were chatting about uh, my own my own um, aspirations as a manager. You know, I've gone from coaching and managing two different things. You know, I've gone from coaching kids. Um, I, I enjoy what I do. And like I said, with, with, with sporting now, I've got two very, very good coaches. Arash, um, a UFAA coach, a licensed coach who was at MK Dons. And I've got now recently, I've just bought on um, uh, Sahim, who's who's a young aspiring coach, young lad who's doing his own thing one-to-one. For him, this is, you know, a massive step up and a great opportunity. And the sessions he's running at the moment are, are absolutely amazing. I really see an, a promising future for him. From my own perspective, listen, if I if I ever had the opportunity to go and manage even a, a step higher, um, step four, uh, step three, that for me, that's a personal aspiration. I would love that opportunity just to see how I get on managing a club away from Sporting Bengal, because the reality is, um, you know, Sporting Bengal, uh, how many clubs would give me this opportunity or someone like me uh, an opportunity? Um, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm, uh, you know, I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for anything at the moment. But one thing that would keep take me away from Sporting Bengal right now is if a club from a step four or a step three, you know, even step four club came knocking and asked, asked me to, 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 to take the, the rein at a, a step four club. I'd, I'd love that opportunity to manage one step higher just to see, experience a different type of player, the commitment levels. And even for myself, can I really cut it? Because um, I feel I've proved myself at this level with the budget and what we have and surroundings and where I'm at. Um, you, can, you can only do so much. Um, and I'm, I'm confident in the team that we have around us that if we were to go somewhere else, we could do a similar job, if not better, uh, with more... Uh, I guess um, you know if we had a bit of capital behind us, a bit of money and a bit of finances, I'm sure we could do a lot more. 
I'm confident if we had money at Sporting, we could we could do well here. We were talking about, you, you asked the question about promotion. If we had that here at Sporting and we got some funding behind us and some money, a good sponsor, you know, it's doable. It's really, really doable. I'm confident we could do that. Fantastic. Imral, listen, best of luck for the upcoming season. We, Me and Z would love to come down and and um, take part in the hospitality that you've offered us. Yeah, so listen, when it starts, August it is, I think. I think FA Cup, we got FA Cup starting on the first week in August. But uh, I've got a little bit of a plea as well. So if you've got any young aspiring footballers in the community, wherever you are in East London, um, you know, if you're playing step six, step seven football currently and you just want that opportunity, you're not getting, even if you've been, you've been trying at step four, step five, and you're not, you're not, they're not giving you that opportunity. Come and see us. Get involved at Sporting Bengal. We've got a long preseason. Um, that I take pride in that, in knowing that Sporting Bengal gives kids that opportunity to step up. I'm not selfish. If I have a good player, I'll try my best to work and open doors for them. Um, it's really important that we as coaches and management, manage, Asian managers support each other uh, and more importantly, work with young, talented Asian football. And there's a lot out there. I think they just need a bit of a push and they just need a bit of an arm around their shoulder and be told that they're good enough because they are. Um, so um, that's my plea. If there's any, any youngsters, any not even youngsters, even if you're in your early, late 20s, early 30s and you still think you want to play, give it a shot, get down to sporting and let's have a look at you. 